Dawn. I'm here to read the next chapter of Island of the Blue Dolphins. Yesterday, um, Karana befriended the Alut girl and they spend a lot of time together and they would chat and name things and she really seemed to enjoy having someone else to talk to who was a person and um, at the end of the chapter, the Alutes left and the girl went with them and Karana's realizing how lonely she is now. So here is chapter 23. The hunters left many wounded otter behind them. Some floated in and died on the shore, and others I killed with my spear since they were suffering and could not live. But I found a young otter who was not badly hurt. It lay in a bed of bull kelp, and I would have paddled by if Rontu had not barked. A strand of kelp was wound around its body, and I thought it was sleeping, for they often go to sleep and anchor themselves in this way to keep from drifting off. Then I saw there was a deep gash across its back. The otter did not try and swim away as I grew near and reached over the side of the canoe. They have large eyes, especially when they are young, but this ones were so large from fear and pain that I could see my reflection in them. I cut the kelp that held it and took it to a tide pool behind the reef, which was sheltered from the waves. The day was calm and after the storm I had caught two fish along the reef. I was careful to keep them alive because otter will not eat anything that's dead and left them in the pool. This was early in the morning. That afternoon, I went back to the pool. The fish had disappeared and the young otter was asleep, floating on its back. I did not try and treat its wounds with herbs because salt water heals and the herbs would have washed off anyway. I brought two fish every day and left them in the pool. The otter would not eat while I was watching. Then I brought four fish and these also disappeared, and finally six, which seemed to be the right number. I brought them whether the day was calm or stormy. The otter grew and its wound began to heal but still it stayed in the pool, and now when I came it would be waiting for me and would take the fish from my hand. The pool was not big and it could have easily gotten out and away into the sea, yet it stayed there and slept or waited for me to come with food. Um, that makes me think of when we were little, my sister actually trained, you know the blue scrub jays that we have around here? Um, you can actually, they're really smart and you can train them to eat from your hand. So my sister, little sister Ellen spent hours when she was like five, I think, training these birds to eat peanuts out of her hand. And so first we just threw peanuts for them and they'd come and eat them. And then she kept moving them closer and then she'd scatter them across a shelf we had by our window. And then she'd sit there for hours just waiting. And when they got used to that, then she would put the peanuts near her hand and finally in her hand. And after like six months of training them, she could get the birds to hop into her hand and take the peanuts. And I was able to, too. So that's a fun summer project. And it reminds me of um, this otter taking fish from Karana's hand and how it took a long time for it to trust her and realize that it could take otter, um, fish from her hand. All right, getting back to it. The young otter was now the length of my arm and very glossy. It had a long nose that came to a point and many whiskers on each side and the largest eyes I've ever seen. They would watch me all the time I was in the pool, following me, whatever I did, and when I said something, they would move around in a very funny way. In a way, too, that made the pain come to my throat because they were gay and sad also. Gay meaning happy. For a long time, I called it otter, as I had called Rontu dog. Then I decided to give the otter a name. The name was Monani, which means little boy with large eyes. It was a hard task catching fish every day, especially if the wind was blowing and the waves were high. Once, when I could only catch two and drop them in the pool, Monani ate them quickly and waited for more. 
When he found that was all I had, he swam in circles, looking at me reproachfully. The waves were so high the next day that I could not fish and on the reef even at low tide, and since I had nothing to give him, I did not go to the pool. It was three days before I could catch fish, and when I went there again, the pool was deserted. I knew that he would leave someday, but I felt bad that he had gone back to the sea and I would never catch a fish for him again. Nor would I know him if I saw him again in the kelp, for now that he had grown and his wound had healed, he looked like all the others. Soon after the Aleuts had left, I had moved back onto the headland. Nothing had been harmed except the fence, which I mended, and in a few days the house was the same as before. The only thing that worried me was all the abalones I'd gathered in the summer were gone. I would need to live from day to day on what I could catch, trying to get enough on the days when I could fish to last through the times when I could not. Through the first part of winter, before Monani swam away, this was sometimes hard to do. Afterwards, it was not so hard, and Rontu and I always had enough to eat. While the Aleuts were on the island, I had no chance to catch the little smelts and dry them, so the nights that winter were dark, and I went to bed early and worked only during the day. But still, I made another string for my fishing spear, many hooks of abalone shell, and last of all earrings to match the necklace Tutok had given me. These took a long time, for I searched the beach many mornings when the tide was out before I found two pebbles that were the same color as the stones on the necklace and soft enough to cut. The holes in the earrings took even more time, for the stones were so hard to hold, but when I was done and had rubbed them into a, in, rubbed them bright in fine sand and water and fastened them with bone hooks to fit my ears, they were very pretty. On sunny days, I would wear them with my cormorant dress and the necklace and walk along the cliff with Rontu. I often thought of Tutok, but on these days, especially when I would look off into the north and wish that she were here to see me, I could hear her talking in her strange language, and I would make up things to say to her and things for her to say to me. And that's the end of chapter 23. Hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.